0: How how you doing? It's good to see you. We're gonna get into God's Word this morning. Gonna be excited to get into God's Word. Awesome. Let's see if some pages turning. Grab those Bibles. Turn to John, uh, Book of John. You're gonna go past the middle of the Bible. Keep going. Get to John. We'll be in chapter six. So you guys are turning your Bibles. I was thinking about this uh, message. I am. We're talking about uh, Matthew 16 uh, specifically. Jesus asked, "Who do you say that I am?" Pretty important question. To the disciples and all these people saying he could be a prophet all this Jesus said who do you say so we're going to do this over the next seven weeks just look at that and, and answer for ourselves and have a be ready to give an account amen of the gospel and be able to say who he is not about you uh, but uh, last night I was thinking about that um, I actually had my my notes out the fire was going anybody fire people you like that in the winter sitting in front of the fire just great moment had my tea it was a great, great time. I'm just pondering, thinking about that question for myself in this message, and uh, and I went back to this memory I had, just thinking about um, actually bread uh, itself, and because I love bread, and 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 I started to liken this these these things for myself, like bread, and when when I looked at the bread and, and, and my passion for it, and my love for it, and I talked about it. I actually started thinking about um, when I first came to know Jesus, who I went to to know about Jesus, who I, who I leaned into for, for years, like thinking about and trying to figure out, like, what does it mean to follow Jesus, who I ended up sitting with and spending time with, were those people uh, that when they talked to me about Jesus and when I got time with them. They talked about Jesus in terms of a relationship that they had, a passionate love for Jesus. They didn't really talk about uh, the stuff about life really like the things that were better because of Jesus. They really didn't talk about uh, the things that they enjoyed in life because of Jesus or the things they had in life because of following Christ. And I, I had a lot of friends that talked like that about their Christian walk Or following Jesus. But there were a few that that just talked about Jesus. And and I think about that, and I remember myself talking about bread like that a couple of times. (coughs) And I I say that because I remember this time when, like, bread just went to this new level for me. If you're joining us online and it's your first time, just I'm, I'm a bread, I like bread. All right? So, welcome. I'm talking about bread. But I remember this time, my, my brother, he, he went to study to be a, a, sh- a pastry chef in France and uh, sat under you know, pastry chefs and then came back to New Zealand, was in Wellington. I went to Wellington to the French patisserie and I went into the back there and uh, he introduced me to real bread. I say that because as I think about croissants here that I might get from the grocery store, I have a gag reflex for that. Um, LAUGHTER But when you have tasted real bread, this croissant, when I picked it up and put it towards my mouth, and it entered the realm of my mouth, without touching my tongue, I began to taste the beautiful butteriness of it, and it filled my breath, my lungs, my every taste bud with joy, and it began to do things inside of me that were beautiful. And before I could you know, feel like I had eaten one, it melted in my mouth, the third one melted in my mouth. <laughs> and they had to tell me, you've eaten three, because it just disappeared. The brilliance of the croissant and beautifulness of bread, the mastery of good bread, I tasted and I will never be the same again. My life has forever changed now because when I eat something that is not good bread, I can tell you when it gets to here. I mean, I know now. There is there is bread and then there is bread. You know what I'm saying? Some of you are nodding, but you don't know. You don't really know because you have not partaken of real bread. Until you have tasted real bread, you can't even imagine real bread. It's amazing. Anyway, we're going to talk about bread today. John chapter 6. I say that because again, my my memory went to my interaction with real bread and how it changed me because that moment I realized I had done the same thing with those people who really knew Jesus. When I got around people who had a relationship with Jesus and they talked about Jesus, the passion that came out of them, the enthusiasm, the stuff that was bubbling out of them, even in hard times, was hard not to be contagious. I got excited just being around them, talking about what was hard in life, because then they introduced me to a relationship with Jesus, a a closeness and tightness with Jesus that was not like talking about life and the beautiful things that just happened in life. They were talking about a person who was close, who was near to them and dear to them that they loved, that they loved. I said, man, that's different. That is different. John 6, Jesus is saying just that. In John 6, verse 25, what we're going to pick up today, what's just happened is Jesus has fed the 5,000 men plus their families on on the field there. And Jesus then that night sent his disciples across the lake and he stayed to spend time with his father. Then they met him on the lake. Of course, he walked on water and all of that epic story. They get to the other side and Jesus uh, meets these uh, people who are following him because they, they woke up. Hey, he's not there. He must be around the other side of the lake. So he, they walk around and they, they find Jesus. And when they found him, verse 25, on the other side of the lake, they ask him, Rabbi, when did you get here? To believe in the one he has sent. Short answer, right? So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? <laughs> Just got to pause here. They're setting him up for a free breakfast, right? Like, What sign will you do now, Jesus? <laughs> Some of that bread. So they asked him, What sign? Our ancestors ate manna. Now they're baiting him. Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Hint, hint. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Hint, hint. Then Jesus declared, I, I, And the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall not lose one of all, all those He has given me, but raise them up at the last day, for my Father's will is not that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. At this the Jews began to grumble about Him, because He said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can He now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves. Jesus answered, love that. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God, everyone who has heard the Father and learned, sorry for me going fast, but there's a lot here, I'm going to go all the way through. From him comes to me, no one has seen the Father except the one who is from God, only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. Who does? The one who believes. Verse 48. Verse 48. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in wilderness, but they died. Say died. Just so we know we get it. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats the bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. When the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise him up at the last day, for my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. When many of the disciples heard it, they said, This is hard. This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself the disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are the Spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. Verse 66, it all turns. After this, many of the disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Let's pray. Father God, we look to you today. Holy Spirit, asking that you would, in this time, reveal to us again afresh who you are you desire for us to receive from this word. Move us to change, shift us in this time, Holy Spirit, to grasp, to know, to move in faith towards understanding who you really are. I pray and ask in Jesus' name, amen. So they they encounter Jesus after being fed and they come to him and they look for a miracle again. And Jesus comes right out, does not answer their question that they ask him. And he says, very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. In other words, you're hungry. You're hungry. If there is one thing you catch today, let it be this statement Jesus makes to these people who Jesus had compassion on and fed Just one day before, he said, This, you came because I fed you. And so I would pose with that statement for us to ask this question Why do we come to him? Why do we come to him? They just got free food the day before, and the feeding of 5,000, and you might say, why is that such a big deal? It's a big deal. Obviously, it's a miracle. But why is it a big, big deal? The big, big deal is because in that day, 85% of your income went to food. 85%... Can you imagine? I mean, I know how it is. I got eight boys. <laughs> but I mean, if you had that, imagine, right? I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of the expense. It's a lot of the work that you put in the day going towards food something that you don't hold in your hand after the day's gone right if you eat it it goes in and you don't have anything to show for it at the end of the day guys ladies that are working like you imagine at the end of the day you've you've taken what you've worked for and then 85 percent of it is eaten right that's a large percentage And so you can imagine the people that are there that are coming around to talk to Jesus, you just bankrolled 5,000 families for a whole day. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of resource. That's a lot of reason to be with Jesus, not just for one day, but like follow him. It's another day. I don't have to work. Not only that, but he didn't like sit down, give us grain that we had to then you know, work hard at to create flour. Grain takes a lot of work to go from grain to bread. Right? I mean, it takes, a, it takes some work to get to this point from that. And Jesus didn't give grain, he just gave bread. So he took not just the work to, to buy the grain or the flour, if you had more money, to then make your bread, he just went to giving bread. So they are in this time, thinking, "Wow, a lot less work, right? And a lot more food. Let's go. Who doesn't want that? Come on now. <laughs> this is not just an incredible miracle, but it also mirrors the manner that God provided, And they call that out. The miracle God performs, helped them to help them, became a distraction. Having a better life became the main thing in place of getting to know Jesus. They arrived in that field before Jesus fed them because they were hungry to know Jesus. Is this the one? What are these words he is saying? And they traveled. They gave up a work day to sit with him and hear from him. They sacrificed to get to that moment, and then Jesus fed them. He didn't know. They didn't know they were going to get fed. But they fed. They got fed. And then they got distracted. Because God performed a miracle. They got distracted and said, this is what Jesus is about. So when they asked Jesus for more of that, Jesus is now trying to get it across to them. This is not why I am here. Jesus didn't come to feed them and mean for them to stop working and stop being in life and give them a sweet, easy life. He set them up to receive, obviously, eternity. Jesus directly calls this out. Do not work for things that will perish. In other words, you walked all this way so that you could get another free lunch, which would just leave you hungry tomorrow, looking for you another free lunch. And Jesus clearly is saying, yeah, that's not what I'm about. Verse 29, Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. In other words, he did that miracle as a sign. I am the one. Not as a sign that you should come, keep coming back for free lunch. So Jesus knows they're all expecting him to be their vending machine, their taco truck, whatever. And then Jesus cuts to it and tells them uh, who provides the true bread from heaven. And they say, hey, always give us that bread. Right? Like the bread yesterday wasn't good enough. John 6.35, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will, will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He says, I am the bread of life. And so for us today, this is an important statement for us to look at, I think, and contemplate and ask ourselves, right, what does that mean to me? Do I know him? The genius of Jesus using bread... There's so many reasons, but for time's sake, I'm just going to look at the three that I think are the, the most obvious for me looking at this, uh, that align with the idea of bread. And that is, one, he sustains me. Bread was used for sustenance. Two, he fills me. It fills you up. Three, he is changing me. And we'll get to that, what it changes you. Uh, bread was known as the essential to life thing, the thing on your, on your plate, on your table that was for biology. It need, it's there for sustenance. The grain is needed for us to be sustained. It's a basic necessity. So Jesus uses that basic necessity that people look at for bread, as bread, to digest, pun intended, uh, the very idea that that was too big for them to grasp at that moment, that the greatness of I am, the very goodness and sustenance and nutrient for life itself is standing right in front of them. So the first thing is sustain. Where do I get sustain from? Well, the end of the sentence is, I am the bread of life. That word life does not mean life bio, biology of life. It actually means zoe, life, translated zoe. John 1.1 uses the same word to describe life and Jesus himself goes like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, with God. And the Word was God, and He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And life was the light of men. Meaning it was something that could go from external to internal. It was the life and the light of men. It could come in to man could sustain man that life zoe life means eternal means spiritual life so when jesus is talking about life and what life provides what provided by jesus he is not ter- talking about our bio life our biological like the life we're going to walk out here on earth he's talking about our spiritual eternal life so when he says i am the bread i am the bread of life right he is saying right here, that I am what will sustain your spiritual life, not necessarily your biological. And that's a change, like I said, from what I went through with discipleship and who I leaned into, many people would talk to me about what it does to change your life, to walk with Jesus. And they would start working on me, like, hey, you should do this, you should do that, you should change this in your life. But what I came to realize was, it actually goes the other way around. When I get to know Jesus and know him, that he provides my zoe, my eternal, indwelling, eternal, spiritual life, then my insides begin to testify with the kingdom of God and want to align with the kingdom of God. So my change starts on the inside. And so those people who were cha- helping change my life by discipling me were introducing me to more of Jesus and to the person of Jesus and their passion and their life that was overflowing overflowed onto me. I wanted more of Jesus and thus my life, bio-life, changed. You with me, church? It's an important distinction. Really the one that Jesus was hoping for them to catch. It's huge because the nutritional understanding of the time was as much as, as this, that the bread would supply you with the necessary nutrients, healthy nutrients. And so when Jesus was talking about this, you can imagine they're thinking, oh, he must be talking about some incredible new, holy, amazing grain. It's like the 28-grain bread. It's like the, it has its own shelf, right? Like it, it doesn't want to be contaminated with the one-grain bread. It's like ridiculous bread, right? $20 a loaf bread, you don't go hungry after you eat it but Jesus isn't talking about a grain He's getting to this point to go deeper that you don't have to work to create what I'm giving you you won't have to toil anymore you don't have to work or strain anymore to break it down to flour anymore because what I'm offering you and what did they ask what work What sign do we have to do? What what work do we have to do? There must be something that we have to do to get this bread. But Jesus being the bread of life, not saying, hey, I'm the grain of life. He's saying, I'm the bread of life. He's saying, I've done it all for you. All you have to do is Believe in me. You don't have to believe in me. Then work hard to get to the bread, the thing that will sustain you. No, I am that which will sustain you. I've done the work for you. Don't come pretty or worked out, holy, holier than thou. Like Come with like, the rawness of who you are. Let's do life and I will sustain you. I will do the work in you, through you, for you love that. Sounds like the grace that Paul talks about, right? And you study Romans and you hear that, that salvation comes by grace. This free gift of love from Jesus just comes out of him. It's not anything that we do, but it's just a free gift of grace through faith. What? Believing in him. Jesus preaches the gospel to us here through the bread. So i got to ask you right now the way that Jesus was asking this crowd in a roundabout way, saying, what are you working on right now? What are you toiling in, sweating over? What are you giving that to your life to that you put your hope, your trust, your resource to that you hope that it fulfills and sustains you here and now for a life that's sweet? What are you toiling and working over that is not eternal, that I did not call you to be a part of, Because he would, I think, today ask us to lay that down in place of what he has gifted us, which is his life. The significant thing here is that as we look to God to be our sustenance, it also fulfills us. It fills us the same way bread fills us when we eat it. The work that needs to be done, believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who gave his life for you, is what he said. It shouldn't be hard sell, but for some reason, it it is really hard for us to get this, because it often means moving away from that thing that fulfills me physically, right, and moving towards the thing that satisfies me spiritually. And we all know that the spiritual cravings are, are a lot quieter than the physical ones, Right? All this bread talk right now, my physical cravings are going nuts. I'm going to need pizza for lunch. (laughs) Verse 63, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Zoe, eternal So, just the words that I can give you bring life and sustenance to you. Just my words, not not to mention my presence that can be in you, filling you, sustaining you, making you feel fulfilled. His word and all that He is fulfills something that you and I were created with a space for, that only He can fill. And so as we go out and do things physically, they fill us, fulfill us for a moment, and then it passes and we're hungry again. Is what Jesus is saying. And so he's saying, turn your eyes from that physical thing. Look to me, because I can sustain you. I can give you this feeling that we all want, and it will last. The hardest part, though, is as we put our trust in him and belief in him, the bread begins to change us. I'm not just talking about my figure. All right? It changes us because it becomes a part of us. You are what you eat. And so as I partake of grain and and it fills me, it begins to change me from the inside out. And that's not easy because no one throws their hand up for change. Change. As Jesus calls to change in this passage, he actually begins to clear the room. If you follow along, you notice that he begins to clear them out. I mean, if you want to clear your house out, there's no safer way than to say, hey, uh, we're about to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Stay for uh, supper. Because Jesus knew what they really wanted was their bellies full, And they were not really looking for spiritual fall. And then these same believers are the same ones he sat with and broke bread and said, this is my body. Right? The ones that stayed. Broken for you. Broken for you. Which then in turn changes us. And so faith, believing in him, becomes of the utmost importance and we know Romans 10:17 you've heard it before faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ and so in the same way bread is something people eat daily Jesus set the stage for us all to know that this is daily thing that the fuel that will what will fuel your faith and belief is to eat of the Word of God regularly, the words of Christ, and spend time chewing on it, pun intended, on His Word and talk about it, meditate on it day and night. Let it change you because it will, as the Word of God says, never return void. When you eat, when you chew on the Word of God, the words of Christ, it will never return void. Part of the genius of choosing bread as the analogy for himself. He continues the bread ingested supplies what we need to continue to do life. And we now partner with him in this eternal work to help others initiate and nurture growing relationship with Christ. That filling that happens is spiritual, it's refreshing. And Jesus, I believe, intended for us to be filled with the Spirit, the Zoe life, and have it abundantly. John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I come that you may have, that they may have life, zoe eternal spiritual and have it abundantly. And when I think about how I've learned this verse in the past and people appreciate it to me, they often talk about the life that I'm going to live here on the earth. God intended for it to be abundant and full. And I can't think of one other thing that the enemy would want more. In fact, I think he would, if that's what God was, Jesus was saying, he would say to Jesus, Hey, go give them abundant life. Why? Because then they'll be distracted and they won't love you anymore. I don't think the enemy will waste five seconds trying to trip us up and keep us from having an abundant life here on earth. Because then what? We look for what? Just another miracle for more abundance and more abundance. The sweet life of abundance would be awesome and distracting. It'll be hard for a rich man to enter into heaven, he said. The enemy's not wasting time trying to distract us from the abundant life because Jesus didn't want that for us. He wanted us to have Zoe, life, abundant, meaning overflowing. The life that you get from Jesus, the joy, the life, the the sense of purpose, the sense of fulfillment spiritually, the sense of, man, life is changing and this is awesome. That joy that comes out of experiencing the life of Jesus pouring into you. He wants that for you because he knows once you have that, you're going to talk about it. Like Bryce talks about bread. You're not going to be able to shut up about spiritual life. Your eternal perspective will shift when you taste the real Jesus personally. When you can connect with Jesus for the first time, it will change your life. I read this verse and it begins to paint a picture in my mind of the things that are in my life, again, that are distracting me that I've picked up that will only end in destruction that do not sustain me, that were never intended for me to really carry because they don't feed my spiritual soul. And so I begin to think that, God, there's something in my life right now. And if there is anything, search me and know my heart, oh God, help me to see it, to know it, to talk about it with you, God. And let's, let's lay it to rest here because I wanna be about the things that you're about. Anybody else here in the room? So I want to just go through this list, and I want you to think about this thing that is not eternal. And I want to just put, I'll just put bread in place of this. Whatever this thing that's flesh, that's not necessary for you to be striving, working hard, sweating towards because you thought it was going to fill you, you thought it was going to be pleasure and hopeful, but this is, you may have thought, the answer, the truth is, but only for a little while. This is the help, but only for a moment. This is the best that you can come up with. This is you providing, but it will never be enough. That thing, whatever it is, the flesh thing that we look for, we may be even asking God for, will never sustain you. It will never be enough. But here we see the difference between the crowd and Peter. Beautiful Peter. In verse 69, when the Lord says, will you go too? Will you turn away? He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we We believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. You're it. You're where it ends for me. This is it. There's nowhere else I want to be than in your presence, than with you, receiving from you, God being filled by you, being sustained by you, being changed by you, Jesus. This is what life is all about. There's nothing more in life, the sweet life. That's not what I want, Jesus. On you. All I need is you. All I want is you, Jesus. Is that our hot cry today? I think for us to shift, God needs room. Some of you got to make room. That means laying down something else that you're looking to fill that void. Something that is not eternal that you thought would give you life. Jesus wants that space in your life to be able to show up for you and be the life for you, to fill that thing. And so God, we ask that whatever that is in our heart today as we come before you, we lay it down and say, have it today. We no longer want to look to that thing, whatever it is, God. We want to take our eyes, and we don't want to be distracted, and we want to look to you and be in awe of you, Jesus, which we are today. We're in awe of who you are, the great I am. Would you fill us today afresh and move us away from that distraction to be filled, to be sustained, and be changed in Jesus' name? Would you stand and worship?